to preach. And I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost began to fall. Hallelujah. And there were people who came running to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Naked Pentecostalism. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Naked Pentecostalism. Today I want to talk about a few real examples of conversations that I've had with some, again, not professional apologetics, but just people that were trying to defend uh, their Pentecostal faith. So I get into discussions with people either on Facebook or Instagram, YouTube comments, Instagram comments. I mean, I try to interact with people and engage people as much as possible because I want to be the best informed critic of a position. The worst possible thing you can do is be completely ignorant of the opposition to your uh, to whatever position that you have. So if you think that the moon landing was faked, then you'd better have a good reason to, uh, you'd better have a good rationale for why the arguments in favor of it are bad, not just your arguments for why you think something is the way it is. Almost, and this applies to a lot of different things, but almost anybody can be convinced of almost anything. This is why we have Scientology. This is why we have Mormonism. Simply ludicrous ideas, completely irrational ideas that somehow have gained traction and have gained large numbers of followers, even though they make no sense on, on, a, on um, just on the surface. So people will come up with very convoluted and deep uh, reasons to defend these, but these are also t people that probably have not spent any great amount of time really understanding the objections to those positions. And what is frustrating is it seems like a lot of Pentecostals that I interact with don't seem to have any knowledge of really where the objections are based on. So an example, I talked to a guy recently who pretty much threw out the really old, cliched, worn-out argument, oh, you left your church because you just wanted to sin. And I think that's probably takes the cake as, as the absolute worst argument you can make. It's, it's one of the worst possible statements if you're trying to you know, convince somebody of your side of things because it just doesn't get anywhere. So there's a difference between an argument that's just bad because it's bad as far as it's not a good logical process or there's a logical fallacy. And then there's some arguments that just piss everybody off and, and, and you're not, um, it's not even so much that you're making logical points more than when you make someone upset, you're really not doing anything to convince them that your point is correct. So it's just not a good practice. So his argument was you just loved the world too much. You loved the sin. Well, a newsflash, there's a lot of people 
that have no problem uh, with sin and staying in the Pentecostal church. I mean, I mean, let's let's face it. There's no shortage of people that do whatever they want and stay right there. Hey, we all knew that one kid in youth camp that you know was sneaking alcohol or sneak around with the girlfriend and making out there was plenty of people that rationalized whatever they wanted to do i mean when i was still attending uh pentecostal church that again this particular this, this particular church I, I i'm gonna try and stress this in future episodes as well i don't, I don't know how well i've done in past episodes but the church that i grew up in was very uh, far from the norm, I guess would be the best way to describe it. They were not UPC. They were uh, the one offshoot independent group because, and they were an offshoot because they were too crazy and whacked off for the UPC. So they they left. And there's some other theories about why they decided to go independent, but that's for another episode. So. Even in that strict fundamentalist group that I was a part of, you know, there were still kids that just, you know, they just want to be normal kids. So they're going to sneak around, they're going to make out, they're going to, they're going to do whatever. And then they got caught, and they got caught here and there. I was one of those kids that never got caught, um, at least not to my knowledge. I mean, maybe they didn't snuck around. And people talked about it, but they didn't actually say it to my face. I mean, that's possible. But I went to the movies all the time. It was, it was just what I enjoyed. And once you discover that you enjoy something, I mean, you can't keep yourself from doing it. It's just that's just the way humans are. So our church taught against any kind of entertainment video whatsoever. It didn't matter if it was YouTube, if it was if it was VCR. It, it, they preached against everything. So didn't matter what the format was, but I enjoyed going to the real movie theater with the surround sound and the giant screen, and that was just, like, once or twice a week. Did that for years and years. So on, on the one side, there's absolutely no reason to leave a Pentecostal church just because you like sin, because, again, there's plenty of people that are happy to stay in that church and to keep sinning. So that's that. On the other side of it, it's a very ignorant statement to assume that you know what someone else is thinking. To say, oh, I know why you did such and such, when in actuality you don't really know. You're, it's, I think it's more making an assumption for the purpose of um, resolving a conflict in your own mind. So really to break that down a little further it's more difficult to accept that there are valid reasons for leaving a particular church than to just say oh they left because they were they were offended or they they were you know they just wanted to sin whatever and i think that's a self-defense mechanism psychologically and that's most likely what's happening there so yeah, the whole thing of, oh, you you left the church because you wanted to sin. That's just, it's terrible on several different levels. And I really wish people would stop using that as an argument, but it seems like 
it's um, it's used by nominal Christians as well as Pentecostal. So it's a very it's a very popular argument. This is what I'm saying. So we did that. We went down that road and went back and forth and didn't get anywhere. But the other argument he threw out that's uh, a bit of a pet peeve of mine, I guess you could say, and that was the reason we don't see a history of the Pentecostal movement throughout, you know, the Middle Ages and, and onward, and why we just see Christianity in the 20th century United States as a starting point is because the Roman Catholic Church burned all the records and they destroyed any history of the movement as 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 being a real church doctrine, you know, because it was so threatening to them. And this is, again, complete horseshit. Like, he, and then this guy throws out, oh, you know, the Roman Catholic Church uh, burned the history books of the Aztecs and the Native Americans, and they destroyed the culture and all that. Okay, great. Yeah, they they did those things. The, uh, the missionaries that came over there just... And they're still doing stuff like that today. Uh, Christians are... Various parts of the world are destroying cultural works of art and various aspects of the natives' culture that happens to be, uh, again, in their in their past, a worship to other, other gods. And so they want to destroy that uh, image of paganism, but... At the same time, we're losing the history of those cultures, an irreplaceable history. Once it's gone, we're not going to get it back, you know. So it's a terrible crime. But to say that we're destroying the cultures of the Aztecs and the Native Americans and, and the Aborigines and so many others, that is not an effective argument to say that all history of this one particular belief system is gone because we know that the history of the Aztecs, the Native Americans and, and others were being destroyed yes they're gone but we know there was a process where they were destroyed we know why they were destroyed we know to a certain extent who did it like there's still record of the destruction taking place on the flip side with Pentecostals we don't have any records of them being persecuted or hunted or exterminated throughout this uh, the period of Roman Catholic Church. So, essentially, we just have an absence of evidence completely. We have no evidence that the church existed, and we have no evidence of any history being destroyed to that extent. So, to say it even existed at all in that time period, so, you know, Find me a Pentecostal in the year 1200 AD, you know, anywhere in the world, and you won't. But it's just a really fallacious argument to say, oh, you know, because there's no mention of it anywhere, then the records must have been destroyed. Well, you're just making shit up. Like, that's not convincing at all. And it's, it's intellectually dishonest to just create this conspiracy theory that there's no reason to even start in the first place. But that's that's two of the angles he threw out was you, know, you just want to sin so you left the church. Oh, you know, we don't have any mention of Pentecostals before 1900 because 
the RCC destroyed everything. Okay, well, great, whatever. And then he went down this road of... And, and I see this really frequently, and it's also a very irritating line of argument because it's it's just silly. But every time you try to say, oh, you know, my church, the the church leadership was very legalistic and and they just controlled people you know they demanded tithes and offerings or you know you could theoretically go to hell they taught all these really high dress standards and ways to do your hair and it's essentially north korea you know like here's a certain line of clothing you can wear and here's a certain kind of haircut you can wear and there's a very tight control over your life who you can marry who you can date and so his response to this and this is a pentecostal i'm talking to or we had an ongoing debate on facebook he really just came back with well you should have just left that church and gone somewhere else so the defense is just go somewhere where they'll let you do what you want to do (laughs) it's like okay you just said because I love to sin, I, I left the church, but I should have left the church because I didn't like the standards. Like, that's just kind of a double standard, and uh, at, at the very least. But my response is really more along the lines of, hey, where is the, where is the self-policing that should be taking place? So if you think of there's a church that teaches what you believe, but they're not treating people right and they're they're doing things that are maybe not taught in scripture and they're making up their own rules why aren't you making some effort to protest them and say something publicly to condemn what they're doing get people to wake up and get out of it or at the very least to stand your ground and speak your peace maybe i'm unusual um when I see something's wrong, when I see something is just not correct, I feel like I have to say something. I have to get out there and, and do some small action to to fight that. So that's that's why we have why I have the YouTube channel and the podcast and I have the blog and I and I engage on social media. I'm just trying to make a difference in the world. That's that's whatever small amount I can I, I'm, I'm trying and yet his this guy's viewpoint seems to be oh just just leave and go somewhere where you can do what you want to do and it's like well that's just that's just a cop-out I mean that's just so weak so to start with you know anyway again it just seems to be a, a huge contradiction to say to tell someone that they left the church because they wanted to sin, but at the same token, they should have left because they didn't like the standards, which in that church is the same as sinning. If you uh, wear a short sleeve shirt and wear jewelry and you grow a goatee or beard, whatever, all these little minor nitpicky things, to those people, it was, it was in their minds, maybe, uh, we viewed those things as a sin. It was just kind of, your program that way it, it's it's in the by the time you go through several years of just listening to that preaching it gets ingrained in your head and so just to tell someone oh just leave and go to another church 
not everyone's going to be wired for that. I think it's better to give them a good reason, give them a at least a biblical, scriptural standpoint why uh, they shouldn't need to follow those guidelines. But yeah, and so he also came down on he threw out a, again this is just grates on my nerves when people do this but he said you know, atheists don't have a position from which they can accuse someone else of being wrong or of not having empathy because we don't have a moral base a, a moral baseline um we don't believe in a lawgiver, so therefore there is no law. We're all just a bag of atoms, so who cares what we do to each other? And it's just a really ignorant, just a thin argument that, that there's no thought into it whatsoever. I mean, to start with, morals come, let's just get one thing straight. Morals come from society. They come from people working together to better survive like that's it that's full stop that's where everything is morals are from human psychology we have this perceived empathy for each other because we're trying to survive as a group the more people work together the better odds that the, the, the group will survive so we're programmed biologically we're programmed to protect each other and support each other so that we as a species will continue to uh, succeed and thrive. So that's really all there is to it. We are born into a state where we empathize with each other and we want to protect each other. And occasionally you get someone who's born without those checks and balances in their brain and, and that's where we have serial killers, we have psychopaths. They're people that literally have something wired wrong. And it's not that they're they're spiritually tormented or there's something, you know, that they want to do those things. They're just literally biologically wired wrong. And an atheist just says, I recognize that it's a biological basis, that it's entirely a neurological function. And we're not pretending that we get our morals from a book because we don't. Now, here's the main argument I have against that uh, moral foundation coming from the Bible and Christianity and all that, and that is that it changes. So, if Christianity was this moral, perfect foundation, then it should be the same throughout all of the history of that movement we should not have one set of morals in the Old Testament and another set of morals in the New Testament. They should be consistent throughout. And yet, and then of course, going from Old Testament, New Testament to present day. But here's the problem. Christian morals have changed significantly from the New Testament until modern day. There's several different areas. One is the most obvious, I suppose, is slavery. Uh, slavery is never condemned anywhere in Scripture. If you really interpret it correctly and you break it all down, 
the only time that slavery is condemned was if it were between two fellow Israelites or if a person was kidnapped and uh, sold for the purpose of, of money, but there was no legal right to him being a slave or whatever. There was very specific areas where it was not allowed, but just in day-to-day business, slavery was considered normal, even in throughout the New Testament. And at some point, we, we decided, you know what, it's immoral for a human being to own another human being. We're going to come up with a better way of doing things. And Christians should not have any reason to condemn slavery, because it's not condemned anywhere in the Bible. And yet they came to a point where Christians said, hey, you know what, we're going to say we're in favor of this, you know, abolitionist thing, and we're going to jump on that bandwagon. Well, they jumped on a bandwagon that's not based on their, on the Bible. So their, their common moral ground changed outside of the Bible, and in fact, just in spite of the, in Scripture, because... Again, there's no Bible for saying thou shalt not own another human being. That just doesn't doesn't occur anywhere. And there's also a huge movement of Christians that are accepting of of uh, the LGBT community, and that's because that's society's direction. Hey, you know what? We're going to protect minorities. We're going to protect people that have been abused throughout most of recorded history but today we're going to treat them equally we're going to treat everyone equally which is ironically much of the point of what jesus was trying to teach was love your neighbor as yourself you know like the meek shall inherit the earth hey everyone just you know care for the downtrodden care for the people that are in need it seems like modern Christians don't want to buy into that too much. But we have this huge percentage of modern Christians that are accepting gays and lesbians and and transsexuals and everyone else because they actually care about those people. And then we see the hardcore fundamentalists that are still holding to that the Old Testament style, you know, kill all the kill all the uh, homosexuals, blah 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 blah, um, the Westboro Baptists and all that sort. And certainly, the church I grew up in was was very much anti anti gay and everything. They were they were extremely bigoted. So there was always the holdouts that aren't going to change. But there's a there's a trend. There's a direction that everyone's going, and so we see a culture shift where religion tends to follow the culture it's in and so as culture changes the religion changes to stay in tune with that and it's 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 ironic because even in the pentecostal movement it's it's so utterly obvious some of the stuff that they do is is cultural so in the church i grew up in it was always Oh, you know, men have to wear pants, and men have to keep their hair cut short, and this and that, because that's that's like what defines a man is pants and hair cut short and no facial hair and all this nonsense. But we go all through 
through the Middle Ages and through the Dark Ages and into the ancient world, clothing standards have changed all over the map. I mean, there's plenty of times throughout history where men wore some kind of a robe or some kind of a, um, really some kind of a dress, and you know, women wore all different kinds of outfits, and sometimes it was acceptable to cut hair short or men to grow their hair long, facial hair is all over the place. So, the only time that we see this no facial hair, you know, suit and tie, and uh, haircut really, you know, military style, that came out of, like, you know, the 20s and 30s, you know, in the U.S., which is when Pentecost was formed. So, that's 100% they're copying their standards from society. They're not copying their standards from from some standard uh, that was throughout history because that doesn't exist. Uh, and it's such an ignorant viewpoint that's just copied over and over again until people just believe it. So it's going to be very interesting to see that change because eventually Pentecost will have to change. Uh, Given enough time and they will have to adopt or, or, you know, conform with society or they'll just continue to be further and further outcast and differentiated until until they'll end up like uh, Orthodox Jews or the Amish or people that are essentially living in their own community because they cannot integrate with society. And at that point, that uh, religion, that movement starts to die at that point because you can't maintain that indefinitely. So, yeah, the the argument that atheists have no morals, no moral framework, well, guess what? Christians don't either. You know, they're, they're getting everything from society and they copy their standards from society and that's just, that's obvious based on the practice, um, the practices that they do. So, every time I have these discussions and arguments with someone, that's really what it boils down to. It's this, uh, I try to engage them about scripture and engage them about the proper understanding of speaking in tongues, and it seems it's really difficult to break people out of that mentality of what they're programmed to believe, and they just want to cling to this very narrow understanding of scripture that they've always been taught and all the other arguments just tend to run in circles and I'm hoping someday I can find the right way to uh, to talk to people and find a way through that mental block until I you know my goal is to deconvert as many people as I can so yeah, one day it'll happen, but I will be sure to let you guys know when that day comes. But that was just my experience of some of the common arguments that get thrown out. Not just that guy I was talking to, but several others. Yeah, common threads that keep getting brought up over and over again. And hopefully one day it'll sink in. Um, like I said, it, it, the really the key is you have to find something that clicks with that person, something that gets through the blockage in their in their mind that makes them actually start thinking about what you're saying. 
and start asking themselves questions about what they really know and how much they really know. And I think that's the biggest key. And I think of myself, you know, what was, what was the question that pushed me to keep thinking and uncover more? And it came down to the scriptures for speaking in tongues and how it's really a flawed understanding of those that leads to Pentecost and the history of the movement, how, how abruptly it jumped into reality without any, any past. It was just popped into existence in the United States. And that was a big deal. Um, those two things working together got me started asking questions until I eventually couldn't justify staying in it. So that's all I have for today. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to uh, comment anything you want to hear about in future episodes. Let me know and uh, have a good one, guys. Oh, you can say it better than that. Say it again. All right, listen to the question now. Can God deliver?